Welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy trade deadline recap. We'll go over the Padres trading for like half a team, the Sox staying put, and the Cubs making some moves, some confusing moves, but also a lot of more roster moves on Monday. And a certain MVP is also coming back. So let's get to it. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we here now. New show with a new move. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah, this is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. As always, the Pinoos and Ivy podcast is brought to you by Sports Mockery. Download the Sports Mockery app uh, anywhere you can find it. And make sure to follow Sports Mockery at Sports Mockery on Twitter. Visit sportsmockery.com. And don't forget, follow the Pinoos and Ivy podcast at Pinoos and Ivy pod on Twitter. All right, Kevin. So trade deadline Monday, come and gone. Cubs started the things on Sunday by trading for right-handed hitter Jose Martinez from the Rays. They are going to give up either a couple of uh, players to be named later or cash. Uh, Martinez, I believe he's, what, 31, 32? He's still under team control for two more years uh, with arbitration. That's going to be a little weird, though, because, again— the whole money situation, so he's going to get a slight uh, raise. Uh, I don't think it's as a slam dunk that he gets brought back, but still, you have that option if he, you know, shows that he matches the next month. With the DH is going to probably stay in the NL, so why not keep him around with with Schwarber too? Uh, just going to quickly go down the other trades. So on Monday, uh, they get Andrew Chafin. Kevin, <laughs> first thing you notice when you look up Andrew Chafin, tell me. <laughs> he looks like a spinning image of David Wells with a delicious, delicious bowling body. Um, really does look like a bowling pin with tiny little T-Rex arms, but he's got the sweet mutton chop mustache. Um, that would, that would really, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to tingle. So if he pitches well, he's going to be a legend. He's going to be a Rod Beck kind of guy. If Rod, he can yep, actually like, deliver, he, he's a left-handed looking Rod, Rod Beck. Beck. His pants probably, I'm sure, just based on his body size, little yumper, that when he walks, he he also is chafing. So, yeah, that, <laughs> especially if he walks long distances like at Disneyland or any kind of like amusement park, his, he's definitely chafing. So, Andrew Chafin, left-hander from the Diamondbacks. And again, that's going to be a player to me named later. And I think the Diamondbacks actually kicking in some money for the Cubs, for the broke Cubs. Uh, and then they made uh, another move for another left-hander, trading with the Red Sox for Josh Osich, hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, if I'm not, hopefully he, uh, you know, performs and makes me make it, uh, I pronounce it right eventually. Uh, so another lefty, just like Chafin, another guy who's better against lefties. Chafin actually has pretty decent numbers against uh, both righters and lefties. So 
I mean, we'll get into it more later on, but uh, Osich is your typical loogie guy. I, I told Kevin right before we jumped on, this kind of screams of Derek Holland 2.0, but fingers crossed that David Ross finds a better way to use uh, Osich. And, you know, it's going to be tough because there's a three better minimum. And, you know, if he, if he gets in there and doesn't get get out the left, he's going to be stuck in there. You don't Man. want you don't want to see that as a Cubs fan. No, and if that keeps happening, he will definitely be mispronouncing his name. It'll go from Osage to Oh Shit real fast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he's print, print, those print those shirts. Print those shirts. And the Cubs finished the day trading for Cameron Maben, who, uh, I mean, that was already in the rumor mill a couple of days ago, and turns out that they did trade him from uh, get him from Detroit. Uh, they actually traded uh, infill guy who was on the, fort, on the Cubs 40-man roster, Zach Short. Uh, fellow podcaster Zach Short, who has podcast with Ian Happ and Dakota uh, Meckes. Uh, so sad day for the podcasters out there and Cubs related Cubs related podcasters. Uh, so he's going to Detroit. Cubs clear forty man spot, and with the arrival of Cameron Maben, Albert Elmore Jr. gets optioned to South Bend. Uh, Tyler Chatwood is about to go on the injured list after leaving Sunday start with an elbow issue. Cubs are saying it's not the worst news. I thought it was like completely done because every t- anytime you hear elbow, you think the worst. But they're hoping it's not a season-ending injury. But even at this point, I I can't. I don't think you can, you can be the Cubs and count on uh, Tyler Chatwood giving you anything meaningful the rest of the way. But we'll see. Uh, there's going to be other roster moves because as Kevin broke last episode last Thursday night on the on the very Pinwheels and Ivy podcast that Chris Bryant was going to be in South Bend. That was confirmed. He was in South Bend. Cups, uh, took some swings, lives, uh, faced life pitching. And then guess what? We are now seeing on uh, Monday. So the Cubs have a day off Monday. We're now seeing reports that it's not official yet, but he could be back with the Cubs as soon as Tuesday against the Pirates. Kevin? I would say should be back. Um, obviously, you wouldn't have a guy drive to South Bend in the morning, commute, which is crazy to think about. When you really think about this, these guys are commuting to work when they go to South Bend. They're driving an hour, hour and a half to work. They're getting their work in for a couple hours. Maybe they grab lunch in South Bend or whatever, or something like obviously socially contained. Um, and then they drive back to Chicago. And so obviously if someone's packing their bags to leave with the team flight tomorrow morning for Pittsburgh, that tells me that they uh, they have a fully intent on uh, going for it. So we should see KB back tomorrow in that lineup. Uh, like we said last Thursday night, it doesn't sound like uh, anything's changed. In fact, you know, the only question mark that you have is how's his timing? How's the timing mm-hmm. and the timing. It's not something you could just click on, but it's like a light switch in a weird way, because sometimes you could look like absolute dog crap for like three days. And then you go out there for a real ball game and you just get in that situation. And then just things start falling into place. Cause it's still 60 foot, six inches, wherever you're at. And, then you just, you know, the timing's back. And that's the same with any player. But with, with Chris, I'm sure with the, the wrist injury and the fingers, you know, the tendon stuff in his finger, um, timing has probably been an issue as he's been working. I bet you if, if there's anything he's probably most concerned with is is his timing. I think, you know, he's a perfectionist too, and I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for that a million times. If he doesn't feel like he's 100% on with his timing, he's frustrated. Like, period. He knows his body so well. He knows the strike zone so well. It's that photographic memory that he has. Um and so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in there with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he, he might not feel 100%, even though he may be, because he's so hard on himself. So it'd be curious to see him go out there, and you really want to see him go out there and succeed right out of the, bait, right out of the gate tomorrow. Um, that's why I think, you know, we'll see a lineup change too. So hopefully wherever they put him in the lineup, because you can't move Hap 
at this point that would be insane to move someone that's just doing so well. Um, it's it'll be curious. It'll be curiouser and curiouser to see what David Ross does with this lineup. So he's got some options, but KB sounds like he's a full go. So I, you know, high five us. High five my source. They were right on. They've been right on every time. So I'm gonna keep riding that source till it bucks me, I guess. Um, but happy, happy, good stuff. We got an MVP coming back. That's better than anything you can get at a trade deadline for nothing. Simply just. Everyone- all Cubs fans listening right now, remember to tag every single Cubs beat reporter tomorrow when Chris Bryant uh, gets gets activated from the injured list. Make sure to uh, tag Kevin, tag the show. We broke it first Thursday night. We had it first. Damn it. All also, right. hashtag it. Duh, I knew. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's so, yes. That's your hashtag. Duh, I knew. So, you know what, Kevin? Before we get to the Sox and their lack of movement, Let's get into the lineup discussion. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, besides uh, or along with uh, KB, sounds like Steven Sousa is going to be activated from the injured list. So Cubs are going to have to make a couple more moves uh, before Tuesday's uh, uh, series against Pittsburgh. But let's get to the lineup. And, you know, you talked about how KB is going to be back and, you know, he's going to be hard on himself if if. If he struggles, if the timing isn't there yet, but at the same time, it's not like the Cubs can ease him back either because they're still struggling. I know they had that blowout win on Sunday and, you know, the entire, by the way, MLB history, first time all three starting outfielders have hit two home runs in a game. So it was uh, Hap, Schwarber, and Hayward on Sunday. Hayward and Hap, the two best, like, players on the team right now. The number three spot, Javier Baez, uh, I think it's now, so what, the Cubs 20 and 14, so it's 34 games, more than halfway through the season. Javier Baez has not gotten better. It's only been, it's only been like, I don't know, like maybe three games where you look at, it's like, hey, that's the Javier Baez that we know, the guy who like just hits the ball really hard. But that's only been like two or three games max. He's reverted back to just completely looking like loss at the plate, just swinging at anything, no matter the situation, the count, whatever it is, he looks terrible. But David Ross keeps going with Javi Baez at three. You know, we, maybe we thought after, because the doubleheader on Saturday, so he has that terrible game in the first game against Bauer and the Reds. Gets the night off. Comes back on Sunday, right back in the three hole. And we're like, come on, Rossi. And I'm not, I'm not a guy who's really been on Ross for a lot of things this year. I've actually been fine with how he's managed for the most part but kevin you cannot have with right now but it looks like your worst hitter on your team hitting third uh you, you know and it's you gotta credit you gotta credit there's just something too you gotta credit david ross for us it feels like you're banging your head against the wall every day over and over again when you throw javi in that three hole but i know what he's doing he's trying to he's showing his guy that he's got his back he's showing his guy that he believes in him um we are now what 30 some odd games we're beyond the halfway point and Javi's still struggling and he's still throwing them in there. And you got to respect David Ross in the sense that that's what a player would want to is that comfort. You know, at this point, Joe Madden probably would have thrown out 75 different lineups in, you know, 22 games somehow, if it's even mathematically possible. And, you know, Javi, you know, he's struggling, man. It, and I actually read something the other day and that it sounds a lot right. Guys like Javi too. Sometimes they decide pre-pitch they're swinging no matter what. And so they can guess right. And the problem is, Sooner or later, too, because of what we have as a game, there's so much data and there's so much. There are people that are hired legitimately to break you down and destroy you. Um, 
they might know how Javi tends to guess and they start checking his tendencies. And when you see the tendencies, you adapt, adapt and adjust. And, you know, if you're someone that goes up there and just, I'm going to swing this pitch come hell or high water, he relies a lot on athleticism and he hits mistakes, but he hasn't hit the mistakes this year. He's not hitting the mistakes. And that's usually where Javi eats. Javi is notoriously, when you look at his career stats, piss poor against power pitchers. Finesse pitchers, he hits well because finesse pitchers are going to blow it by you and they don't have the stuff to kind of miss your barrel. They make mistakes and you eat them alive. And he has a high average against finesse pitchers and a really, really poor career performance against the, uh, the those guys. So when he does all that stuff, you mix in the fact that obviously he's trying to roll everything over. He's trying to yank everything. And he's not let a baseball get deep and drive it away. You know, we all last year, I mean, how many times did Javi just strafe a baseball? It looked like it came off the bat 115 miles an hour to right center. Just rolled, took maybe like two hops and was rolling against the fence because it was a piss missile. He's not getting those this year. He's not getting remotely close to that. He's rolling over to third. He's rolling over to like the six hole. He's not because he's not letting that get deep. He's getting that top hand over. He's flipping it and he's, he's, he's rolling over. And this is him not adjusting. And you wonder, is he listening? Is he being coachable? Is Ayapachi, you know, is, is, does it even exist? Is this, is this person have a job for a reason? What is the point? And so you, you make sure, honestly, it's a red flag to me. It's a red flag to me with Javi that he's not making the adjustments this deep into the season. Sooner or later, you've got to. You can't just simply say, I'm Javi, I'm not going to change. If that's the case, get the hell out of the locker room, bro, because you're you're exposed right now and your zipper's wide open. You need to zip that thing up. And you know how you zip things up? You turn around, you reboot, and you figure something out, and you listen to someone going, hey, Javi, your fly's open. No, it's not. I'm Javi Baez. No, Javi, your fly is open. He needs to listen to somebody, and somebody needs to get into his ear. It's not helping that Wilson Contreras is really kind of sucking too. Because at least if Wilson's going hot, Wilson can pick Javi up. Those two guys seem to kind of play off each other really well. Right now, they're body, I know you hate body language. Both of them, their body language tells me that they are in a bad place right now. They, you know, when they strike out, their body language tells me that it's a Wilson will hit a pop, you know, a fly ball and you'll see him slam the bat down. You see a lot of you're seeing the frustration manifest itself more frequently in how they react to certain things. So if one of those guys was hot, the other guy would pick the other guy up. I think they, they really do play off each other. It's I think with Rizzo and Chris, I think they play each other well too. So Chris coming back to a hot Rizzo, you know, who's playing well now, and, and even Ian Happ, you know, maybe in front of him or, you know, whatever in the lineup, I think that's going to help Chris. I, I think that just the dynamic of the locker room works that way, that some guys work with each other and they pump each other up. And I think that in this case, Javi's just – He's become a, he's he's become a, a donut. He's a giant Grand Canyon chasm of 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 lost offensive possibilities. The Cubs can't string together long innings and stressful innings because Javi immediately becomes almost like a sure out. I mean, he at one point, what did he strike out six out of seven plate appearances? Uh, you know, and it, not good. I mean, when you look at the spray chart or the uh, the pitch chart, he's swinging at balls eight to ten inches up, eight to ten inches in, eight to ten inches out. Balls that are in the dirt. They look like on the picture, it looks like they rolled them in there. And he's not making those adjustments. So, you know, it's not just Javi. And I think I love that Rossi does stick with it. But at this point, with Chris coming back, you've got a good excuse to shuffle for a second. Maybe push Javi down to the five or six um, and just allow him to kind of maybe get his feet wet. It, it maybe take some pressure off the dude. Um, or if he's not listening, it sends a message. It, I'm, we're done with this now. You know, we had to ride you a little bit because Chris was out. But now Chris is back, so the MVP's here. If if the MVP is going to fix it, which we're we're thinking he's going to again, I think Chris is going to come back hot. Um, then Javi needs to you know make an adjustment too. And if it's not happening, we're at this point where Jason Hayward is having a Mike Trout esque season statistically. There's no reason for how you know Jason to not move up in the lineup right now. And so you know if it's if I have to choose right now between Javi going to the plate and Jason Hayward, I take Jason Hayward nine out of ten times. The only time I take ten with you know, that one with Javi is if someone's throwing pus out there. 
because he can still physically he's freaked he's a freak and he can physically adapt to bad bad you know weak pitching but he ain't seeing it i mean he's, he, he can't play the tigers every day <laughs> so let's talk specific so uh, i think so we're under the i guess we're guessing. We're hoping. We're hoping that with Bryant back, that you know, Hive's going to get moved. That he's not going to be a third hit. Uh, I think we can. I think it's a slam dunk at this point that Ian Happ's just going to be the leadoff guy because he's just been fucking rolling, even when he's not hitting. I mean, he's still walking, and he's cut the strikeouts way down. When you look at his numbers, the strikeouts are really inflated because of like he's looked pretty bad from the right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, is when he's up there facing right-handed pitching, he's been a beast. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're going to go under the assumption that he's going to stay at the leadoff man spot. That hopefully Javi is no longer going to be batting third. So two questions for you. Maybe that maybe they're the same answer. Where would you put KB and where do you think Ross puts KB? Honest, man, maybe it's a little biased just because of the, the righty lefty split with, with Hap because he can go righty or lefty. You've got that, that, Right, you know, that you can still go righty lefty. I know that Ross seems to be in love with that righty lefty down the middle, you know, down the lineup. You don't have to be a complete slave to that in this sense, but God, Rizzo's getting on so much. Like, why don't you, you know, why don't you flip it around? Why don't you go half lead off and you go Rizzo in the two hole? He's been, do you want to mess with what Rizzo's doing well right now? He's in a good spot and he seems to be playing real well with where he's at. Just remove Javi and do a little switch down, a little flip down. And just throw Chris in the three and, and just push everybody down. I think Javi just pushes down. I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, you keep Schwarber in the five. Um, you could throw Javi in the six and still keep Hayward in the seventh. But, like, that's just hard. It's, Hayward's swinging it so well. But then again, do you want to move Hayward out of the, out of his spot? Is is that going to change, too? Is it going to ruin his approach? So, you know, it's almost if it, it ain't broke, don't fix it. So what's broken? Javi. So Javi, Chris goes in that three hole. Javi drops down into the, the six. And you just keep pushing things on down, you know, and that's where Bodie, because Bodie has Bodie been batting seven or six? I can't remember. I think he's been the seventh spot because I think Hayward's been sixth a lot. Hayward's been, yeah. So shoot, maybe you put Javi in the seven. I don't, God, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. And then that's the issue too, because it, you're right. It hasn't just been Javi because Wilson Contreras hasn't been much better either. Right. Uh, so you could push so, Wilson okay. back down too, and that like, way you don't. This is the case Javi's. where you're you're moving like two guys up or down, and moving Hayward up, you have Bryant. I think I agree with you. We stay. Oh, and then by the way, again, especially against left-handed pitching, you're going to have Jose Martinez in there, who who's killing mm-hmm. left for his career to kills left-handed pitching. I think so you almost put him in Hayward, wherever Hayward's at. Isn't that where you put Martinez or Schwarber? Or who, where, where are you dropping? Who's who comes out with uh, with Martinez? Well, well, that's the thing because I mean, against lefties, they've been used. Who have they been using as their DH against lefties? Uh, <laughs> yeah because it had i mean i think I, I briefly brought it up last time where the the dhs for the cubs it doesn't matter who the dhs have like an ops in the 500s like they've been god awful like it because yeah, like, i think that's been caratini uh Kip, i mean kipness after his hot start kipness has not been uh that good the last couple of weeks he's on yeah, like, killing them something we're supposed to help with the dh and it's just killing that lineup yeah so, let's see here where do we go uh let's look uh Against righties, well, righties obviously you know it's going to be like it'll be a kitness, but if against lefties, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Has that been like that lineup where? Oh God. <laughs> when was the last lefty they faced? I guess. Uh, Keiko, look up the Friday start against Keiko. Oh well, that was Almora. That's when Ross put oh. Almora and Fegley, and I think. <laughs> Detroit. Let's see here. Oh yeah, they left a. They faced a lefty in Detroit, I think, didn't they? 
Maybe. So, I mean, I guess maybe they've been using Bodie. Bodie as a DH? No, he's been well, that's right. With, with Chris Bryant back, you know. Yeah, you can DH with Bodie since some people think, think that his 228 average is MVP caliber. Caratini, duh. Oh, my God. Yeah, Caratini's been awful. Awful. Yeah. Caratini, the only time I want Caratini starting now or – yeah, starting or playing is You're just right. when he's you Darvish's catcher. That's it, because he's been he's been terrible. I mean, he, I'd hand it off. He had a great season last year, but he's he's been terrible. Basically, that's par for the course, I think, for everybody too. Oh, yeah, for a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, so maybe you go. So you maybe probably look at it. You go maybe Hap, Riz, Chris, Schwarby. You could probably throw Javi in the five, Hayward in the six, or flip those two, and then you go Wilson in the seven. And you go with your whoever your whoever's going to be. And again, if I mean, I don't know. Do you start? Do you start Martinez lower in the order just while well, he's just adapted because he wasn't great. He wasn't running super hot in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just let him sit in that eight spot, that seven spot, and then. But you want Willie? I mean, Willie Willie could move down. It's good for him anyway. It'll save his legs as he's behind the dish. You know, he won't have to do as much. You know, and his defense has lacked lately. I mean, honestly, Kimbrell's kind of at fault. Obviously, he's definitely at fault for blowing the game the other night, but there's no reason that ball that got under mm-hmm. his legs should have gotten under his legs. That's piss poor. So maybe he needs a little bit of a, you know, it's, it's translating to his defense. Weird how him and Javi seem to struggle, and it translates over to the defensive side of the ball as well. They're carrying things over because Javi's defense metrics, what is it, like negative one for uh, last year's mm-hmm. at 20? I mean, he's, it's not, he's not Javi. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's going to be, that's where I'm really curious. I, again, Ross can't really make a mistake here. So it'll be curious. It's curious to see what he'll well, do. He can, but, if he doesn't change anything. <laughs> yeah. If he, he just throws hat back in the seventh spot and Chris is back in the lead off and we're like, <laughs> and so I think just, we're both in agreement though. That, you, uh, that like, you know, in theory, the Chris Bryant at lead off, it worked or the, the theory worked. The theory made sense before the season. Yeah, but at this point now, leadoff spot that's not bad. But yeah, but now you've gotten you've got a like obviously it's a small sample size, but you've gotten enough looks that Hap just looks overall looks great. Mm-hmm. So and I he's comfortable. Yeah, you don't want to mess. With. He's getting on four hundred. His his OBP is like four hundred four or something like that. He's mm-hmm. getting on four out of ten times. That's perfect. They haven't had that. And I mean, Chris was there, but when Chris would be in the leadoff, Chris's career OBP is like up in the four hundreds. But he hasn't been doing that this year. So like having yeah. an actual leadoff guy that's getting on at a four hundred clip is fantastic like that'll help chris that'll help i mean that'll help everything around you know put chris in a spot where people have to throw to him they can't just play around you know he he leading off you're not worried about you're not going to give up a solo jack so you're going to pitch a little bit around chris and you're going to make him chase because it's it's early and he doesn't you know he doesn't have anybody on in front of him and he's got rizzo behind him but you can play with chris whereas now you move chris to that three spot and you've got him you know, you've got Schwarber behind him, who who is seems like he's maybe getting to that point where he's going to play that hot ball again. He's, he had a great day on Sunday. All of a sudden, you've got some protection around Chris. It's it's two sided protection instead of just back sided, and so you get that front side and back side protection. It could really help Chris's pitch selection too, and he might see some more changeups, and they might be you know might make make a little bit more mistakes, worrying about what's what's behind them. Because again, you look at Schwarber and you're like, oh shit, I want to face Schwarber. Crap, that guy might hit the ball off the scoreboard again. I don't want to be embarrassed too. So he creates that like seed of doubt. So you know, it's I just have, Javi, doesn't, Javi doesn't create any fear right now. I know he doesn't. That's that. It just he just looks. I mean, it just like you said earlier, it just looks like an automatic out when he's out there. Because every count, when you look at it, every count is just like oh two. It's like here we go again. <laughs> and even when he doesn't strike, it was just seeing like lazy pop ups or just mm-hmm. man. But yeah. So one, I have one more question about uh, KB before we get to pitching and then the socks. Uh, but you mentioned it earlier. So obviously we're all hopeful that KB comes back and he's 
the pain has gone, or most of the pain at least, because I think, you know, there's still going to be something there. Maybe. Like, I don't think he's going to be back at 100%. Or address that. Do you think he's going to be back at 100%? Because I don't, I still, the, the hand, it just seems like that was. He says no pain. So, no pain? Okay. No pain. So soreness okay. maybe, but that's just the breaks, man. You, yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to get the soreness up, but no pain. Pain okay. is different. Pain is your body telling you shut it down. Yeah. Whereas soreness right. is just saying, ooh, you worked yourself pretty good. You pushed it a little bit. All right, so then let's get to because we saw it early in the season before the injury, where you know he just was struggling at the plate, and you mentioned his timing. So, for fans who watch and who like pay attention closely to the at bats, if the t- let's go, let's go both ways. Well, let's go positive. What does the timing look like if Chris Bryant is right? Chris Bryant's right. Um, a he's he's if he's missing a fastball, he's fouling it straight back. Um, he's not chasing upstairs and expanding his zones because he's not panicking that he doesn't feel right, that he doesn't feel like he's going to be able to catch up to something. And so he panics and, and inadvertently chases something he shouldn't. Um, I think Chris Bryant, when Chris Bryant's timing's right, you're going to see gap to gap. You're going to see left center, right center. You're going to see him hitting line drives instead of popping the baseball up. He popped up a lot. It seemed like he was really lifting a lot. And his launch angle, I think, was like really, really ex- like excelled compared to normal. It was like 26 or something like that. Like he, it, it, usually he's good when he's at like 22. And so, you know, I think that everything trying to catch up, he was trying to maybe generate a little bit more torque with his bats and his hand, with his bat in his hand, just kind of to get to a ball that maybe he, his timing was off. So he was over adjusting. And I think that just, it's a matter of when he's on, you're seeing that ball to left center, especially you're seeing a ball to right center. You're, you're seeing that baseball that kind of, it comes off the bat and it just keeps going. Um, it doesn't, you know, Chris doesn't, he's not a guy, he doesn't, he's not a violent swinger. He's not like Schwarber where the ball, where he hits it and you're like, oh dear God, like, you don't, you don't like almost soil yourself when he hits a ball. Chris hits a ball and you're like, oh, he got that one. Okay. Watch, watch, watch. There it goes. There it goes. It's just, it's still going. That's, it's still going. Like his ball just has that backspin where it just continues to just keep going. And you're like, oh, I thought it was going to come down, but it never came down. And you know, when he, 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 he can hit some majestic drives. I mean, again, I've seen him hit a ball 450 some odd feet probably more than that, obviously um, the one that crossed the street at Arborview high school, like cleared the street, which was a two lane street. And then there was palm trees on the other side and it cleared the top of the palm tree. So, you know, fence was three, probably three seventy five over the left center when he hit it. So, I mean, chasing tree was on second base and almost got lapped by Chris. We were all like, what? <laughs> and I heard a guy cough in the bleachers that far away. Cause everyone was just like, Oh, um, coincidentally, that was actually the Bryce Harper sports illustrated cover day. Ah, sorry. Random. Um, he was a little <laughs> pissed that day. Anyway, um, the, uh, that that's what he does though, man. When he's, when he's on, he's hitting the baseball that has that he's getting right on that swing plane. He's, he's, he's hitting it where he needs to. And it's just, it carries again. The ball doesn't jump. I mean, I, I mean, it still jumps. He's a major league hitter and he hits the ball hard, but you're going to see those balls. He's going to strafe a few double balls down the left field line. He's going to stay back just long enough where his ass isn't flying in the dugout. And he isn't going to, he, he has been missing mistakes and you could see it in his body language. You could see it in his facial expression. He knows when he missed one. And that's where I think Chris's frustration really started was um, his timing was off early. And then when he banged his wrist up, he actually, you know, I think the adrenaline got him back to where he needed to be that, that game. Cause he was like, you know, Homer for Pete's sake with a, with a wrist that hadn't swelled up yet. And so there's a lot more adrenaline there. So, you know, him, I think this was a good time for him to get away. I think it, you know, you might to exp- Okay. Maybe I should maybe lay off the, put the brakes on a little bit. I just, cause I believe in the kid. Um, there shouldn't be any pressure for him to go out there and go four for four in his first game. He's going to have to see someone else again, like some a major league pitcher, for God's sake. I know it's the Pirates, but it's a major league pitcher. But hopefully tomorrow he goes out there, takes a walk, or maybe gets you know gets a knock or two, takes a walk, maybe gets two walks and a hit, 
Um, you know, if he works the count, he's going to see more pitches. He's going to track more baseballs and his timing is going to come back eventually. And when Chris is timing and tracking, it's only a matter of time. And so that's the difference. Javi doesn't see pitches. Javi doesn't track. So his timing isn't going to be a byproduct of him being patient at the plate, maybe overly patient. And that's what Chris does is he could be overly patient. And, and so um, that's why it was a little weird seeing him swing at some balls that were like out of the zone up, upstairs, especially. But, mm-hmm. you know, his, his, his blue zone is up and under the hands, you know, up under his hands, you know, up and in. So hopefully he can kind of sit back and just get comfortable. But I guess I shouldn't put that much pressure on him. He should go out there. He can go take a couple walks and get a knock and we'll be happy. As I'll, I'll, I'll go it's out too there late, stuff. Kevin. You already said the MVP's coming back. He has to be MVP caliber right away. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Trade him. We got Bodie. Sorry. You, you already said it, Kevin. He had, the MVP's coming back. You've said it. He's, he's, he has to be the savior. Hey, All right. Uh, I do believe I do believe, I will say this though. I do believe in the poetry of baseball and I believe that stories are written in the game. And so and I said that perfectly, isn't it? It sets up perfect set for up the perfect. dude to come back. Everyone's doubted him. They they say what they want, meatballs, you know, take him for granted. And then all of a sudden he comes in there and the Cubs go from being a first place team that's been treading water to a team that really starts getting hot. And I, I see the Cubs around game 50 getting hot. I, I can't say that enough. That's when they need to peak anyway. But they've got it, they've earned the right to be. A little bit down and up and down because they are in first place and they've got what a three and a half game lead, whatever it is. Is it sitting at three and a half? Um, uh, I think it's three and a half now. Magic numbers at twenty eight or twenty seven. I mean, the postseason magic numbers like twenty three. I think twenty two. They're they're not far off. I mean, they, they can breathe. But I think Cub fans need to just take enjoy this because when they get hot, it'll matter. You, it just the, the law of averages say eventually this shit will figure itself out. Even though we're only, I mean, we're thirty, whatever, thirty-three games or whatever in the season, it will figure in, in a 60, 162 game season. It figures out around game forty. We're almost there. All right, and then one pitching thing. So the moves. So first of all, what do you think about the moves? Because you know, we, I think anyway, the way I view them. So they get Osich and they get Chafin. I think they're really banking on that Chafin gets healthy, and that is their main lefty down the stretch just because he has been the better pitcher during his career. Um, Osich, I just see that guy as, uh, you know, let's see if he can just be that lefty guy for us. But I view that more as a depth thing. Um, but how do you view the moves? You know, I think- Are you disappointed at all? Because there's a lot of anger for the Cubs not really trading away anything. Yes, you would have liked to see the big name, but there really weren't a lot of big names like left-handed relievers available. No, they didn't make any knee jerk reactions. It wasn't an Eloy and Cease for Quintana where they felt like they were desperate. They had to like they, the, the overwhelming pressure from winning the World Series the previous year forced them to, you know, made them feel like they had to do something because they had to like go out and make that big move and that that what felt like a game changer. And they made a move that now when we look back in hindsight, wasn't a great move. And so you look at that. I'm happy that they didn't, you know, make any, you know, they, they bolstered up the bottom portion of that lineup. Um, with Martinez, that to me is the linchpin of the, of the, of the trade deadline. They got a guy that just destroys lefties need it. Um, you know, and then you go out and you get two guys that can't be any worse than the current lefties in the bullpen. Uh, one that does look like a bowling pin. So uh, again, I love that man just for his body and that's fine with me. And then, you know, you add, you know, what would be a speedier upgrade and a veteran guy, a 13 year vet to take over the role for, you know, Almora. You can't, you're, you're bolstering the, the bottom part of your lineup, and then you're just trusting your stars to finally show up. I shows Theo's got a lot of faith in his guys. It also shows that, um, the volatility of the market, you know, I, I talked about it. I would have been fine if Javi got traded for something. Now, I, I had a couple people send some stuff, but I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, what is the difference right now at this point? You know, neither one of them, you know, whether it's Chris or whether it's Javi or whether it's Wilson, 
you know, you're never going to trade Rizzo. That would be just, just suicide. But, you know, you look at those guys, the only person that is irreplaceable, in my opinion, is the guy that hadn't been playing and the Cubs were playing like doo-doo. And that's Chris was out. Javi was there and that he wasn't carrying shit. Whereas, you know, when Chris was playing in that lineup, they were 10 and six, they were what five and five or six and six or whatever. Actually with those last two games, they were four and six until those last two games um, or that three of the last four. So maybe they were four and seven or five, maybe they're six and seven, but they're not, they're just a mediocre team without Chris. And I think if you, you know, when you look at the Cubs farm system, you got Ed Howard, you've got, um, you know, with Wilson, you got Amaya coming up, you know, those guys are a little bit more expendable, I think, than a guy that can play at multiple positions and does what Chris does, which is create runs. And that's his specialty. So uh, I would have been fine, but the, the other stuff it, you didn't want, you didn't need to go in insane. He has faith in his stars. You know, that tells me that Theo believes these guys are going to figure it out over the course of the next, you know, 30 days. And if they don't, you know, we go into the off season and, and shit, all bets are off. I think if the Cubs don't make a good showing, I think all bets should be off. I don't give a shit. You know, I, obviously you guys know how much I, I favor Chris, but at that point, so, something's not working. I know what's not working in my book, in my opinion, but I'm not Theo Epstein. I'm not Jed Hoyer. So um, I know that the guy that creates runs should probably stay. And the guy that wants to no trade clause, so he can retire a cub. And that's one big sticking point. That kind of is a, that's a guy trying to stick to a place, not try, trying to leave. And so you want those guys, but you know what, if it ain't working, there's too many cookie cutter duplicate type swingers in this lineup that I think that if this isn't work this year, it's time to start peppering in some, some more contact guys. And, and flip it around a little bit and maybe maybe go away from just sluggers only too many strikeouts you know oh my god the cubs strike out like four out of every 10 at bats it's ridiculous that can't happen anymore we contact guys somewhere you gotta at least have some sort of break between the guys that doesn't that, that can't you know make contact especially when you need to like manufacture some stuff so i'm not upset i think i think that i think i i applaud those guys for not feeling the pressure despite that they're, you know, all the shortened season, the weird crap. I think that they did a good job of, of getting some really cheap options without giving up too much. Zach short sucks. Hate to see him leave. Funny dude. That's not the end of the world to lose Zach short. I don't, you know, hope I hope we don't, you know, eat my words. I'd love to eat my words. It means he's successful and that's good for the kid, man, but it's a very cheap get. If anything, I mean, that's, that's great for Zach short. He like, he might, he's going to have a lot better chance to get major league playing time with the Tigers. And he was, he's, like behind three or four guys in the Cubs. So, I mean, those moves you, everyone love, everyone picks their minor league prospects and like who they want to see on the team. But when a guy's like stuck behind, like, I mean, you got Horner, Bodie right now, Baez, even high, like in a year or two, like Howard's probably going to be ahead of Zach short in the in the depth chart. So if anything, you know, if you're a big Zach short fan, this was a good day for you. Cause like Zach short now has a better chance to get to the major leagues mm -hmm. uh, with the Tigers. Uh, so one more last thing before we get to the Sox and their no moves, uh, the rotation. <laughs> Chetwood injured. Uh, again, they're saying that it's not a season-ending injury, but, I mean, I don't think you can count on him for the rest of the year. Right now, you have to imagine that it's either going to be Quintana and then, or Alzelay. I want Alzelay in there. I, they just – I don't know why they don't want to keep him up, but he's back in South Bend after the doubleheader. So it looks like it's going to be Quintana. What do you think? I, you, you're right. I mean, so it looks like actually, uh, yeah, Quintana's, Quintana's going to join that rotation. You know, we're going to have Mills, who has been given up a lot of hard-hit baseballs. He's been bad after his, uh, <laughs> I think, the first like three or four sides. He's been pretty bad. I mean, and Hendricks hasn't been great. I mean, on the road against Cincinnati specifically, but <laughs> – um, 
Yeah. Well, no, let's take that back. Is it, Owsley, is it because I, of the options? Is it because of the options? Is, I mean, can I think because they can just like yo yo him back and forth? Yeah. He gets jerked but, around. I mean, going back to Hendricks, though, he sucks in Cincinnati. I looked at the numbers. <laughs> it's, it's nine starts since his, like, I'm not even talking about recently. Since he came up with the Cubs in 2014, he's made nine starts in Cincinnati. And this last one, I don't know what shot up his ERA, but entering that last start on, what was it, Friday night when he gave up, what, five runs, six runs, mm-hmm. something like that? He had like a six, five, seven ERA. So it's just <laughs> for whatever reason, it, he just can't pitch in uh, in Cincinnati. He needs yeah, to lay ahead. off that chili mac or whatever, that, that three-way chili, oh chili three-way, because it's giving him, he's he just shitting the bed every a, time like, he goes uh, Like, I don't know, like something where it's like, hey, this isn't Cincinnati. You're pitching in somewhere else. <laughs> Blindfold him. He knows yeah. where. He knows where the zone is. He's got it down. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Jose Quintana is going to get a shot again, man. Uh, you know, dish the the dish man hand, dish pan hands is going to find out what what he's got, and he can go out there and earn himself a good paycheck. You know, he's playing for some money now. You know, it sucks that he cut his hand; that hurt his money. But boy, you come back and you play for some of that money. Sometimes it has a weird way of getting the best out of some guys. So hopefully. Quintana can do that and 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 really earn, I hope he earns a paycheck. That would be successful for the Cubs. Because if he earns a crap paycheck, then well, he uh he became one of the more disappointing Cubs trades in the last 30 years. So um I like, I mean, Chatwood wasn't really great, you know, as he on his way out. Um, obviously Mills is kind of struggling. I, I agree with you with Azalea, man. I just think that it's the options thing that that's He's like odd man out. He gets jerked around. It's not a far drive. Again, it's a commute. It's an hour and 20 minutes, man. I drive that. If I, I have friends that drive that. They work out in uh, Mesquite, Nevada. That's like an hour, hour and 45 minutes. That's their commute every day. And you get a playlist, you get a nice cool rental car and you, you know, like a Dodge, you know, Dodge Charger with a Hemi and you, you, you throw on ways and you just drive that drive and you crank things up and you think about life and you get to your spot and you come back home and whatever. So hopefully for Azalea, it's, it's, it doesn't affect him emotionally and physically, but you know, the dude, the dude's good. He's been good and he's been better than Mills now lately. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You just can't put Mills in the bullpen. He's not a guy that you throw in the bullpen. So if I think the Cubs, he, but he has been out of the bullpen before and he's been like decent. Has he? I mean, with that stuff, like he'll, it's weird seeing like a, like a, a, a finesse guy like that. Well, he's been like a, he's been like a long man out of the bullpen. That's what oh, I would okay. say. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want that guy in a situation where <laughs> you don't want to give up hard hit yeah. baseballs. But I mean, I think that's a case where if that's why I just want Ozzy in the rotation for I don't care if it's he's taking Chatwood spot if it's Mills because it's fine if he goes like five and it's like all right, well we don't want him like going through the lineup a third time. It's like all right, then bring in Mills or something mm-hmm. or like or if it's or if it's Quintana. It's like, all right, hey, because he, I mean, he's looked fine in his two bullpen outings, uh, replacing Chatwood so far since coming back from the injury. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's pretty evident that you know he gets tired after like like fifty pitches, where he does start to lose it. So I just want Alizale in there either after Quintana, or he starts it and then Quintana comes in, or it's Mills and then Alizale, or Alizale starts and then Mills. Just give me Theo, give me Adbert already. He needs. He needs. Two adverts, please, <laughs> and then call them in the morning, because that's that'll make Aldo happy. That'll make me happy too. I like that idea. I like I like having using. Like we talked about a bridger, right? That'd be great to have a bridger, a guy that can like bridge, like a whole Johnny Holstaff kind of guy that goes out there and whether it's Quintana doing it or whether it's Alzale, that's a great thing. Because you can say, hey, you just don't got it in the first inning, Mills. A lot of hard hit balls. Advert, get in there, or vice versa. You know, hey, they're hitting the the hard ball around. They're hitting it hard off the fastball. So let's go ahead and go with a finesse guy that's going to maybe go out and pull a 72 mile an hour change up on you. 
And that's maybe what they fit well with. And so you can, you can I mean, that gives Rossi a, like a little bit of a, like having a six starter basically, or a fifth mm-hmm. starter, fifth, six, six starter, seven starter. Like even six, six starter yeah. So um, know, I, I mean, mean we'll we got a lot of double, we still have how many more double headers left? Is, a lot, I think at least a couple more against St. Louis. Oh, boy. So you're going to need that. He's going to need that anyway. So he's like double header, double header Dan. And now a word from our sponsors. So now switching over to the White Sox. Lots of big names linked to them in the past week. And it was slow because remember, we were talking about last week how there was like no noise. Nothing was really happening. Then all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. I think it was on Saturday morning. Lance Lynn, Robbie Ray, Dylan Bundy. And then later that day, our guy, our favorite MLB insider, Bob Nightingale, uh, connects them to Mike Clevenger from uh, the Indians. That gets at first. I like I shit on it immediately because the first name he brought up was, uh, you know, the White Sox could offer Adam Angle. It's like, all right, well, enough, enough of that story. But then Rosenthal follows it up. It's like, yeah, no, the Sox are they're talking about it. Eventually, Clevenger goes to the Padres, who the Padres like, trade for everyone this weekend. Um, but again, so lots of big names. Obviously, the Sox were looking or were trying to. It looked like trying to uh, definitely add a starting pitcher to the rotation. Did not happen. Lancelin didn't go anywhere. Uh, Dylan Bundy stayed. Robbie Ray did go to the Blue Jays. Clevenger, again, ended up with uh, the Padres. So those were like the big starting pitchers that went out or that were in the news and eventually got traded. The Sox, nothing else. They got their big, their only trade was uh, Gerard Dyson, like basically a speed guy, your 26th man, or your, I guess not your 28th man. Um, your fifth outfielder for the Sox. That's the only move they made. Rudikon talks to the media, and this is one of his quotes that a lot of fans kind of, not a lot, some fans shit on. Uh, Han said, Han on standing pat. It came down to not wanting, or it's, it came down to not wanting to do anything that was going to compromise what we're excited about over, uh, about over the better part of the next decade. Now, you mentioned it with the Cubs and like not making a giant trade and like not trading away any big prospects for a guy. The Sox, obviously, they, they've graduated most of their uh, prospects are already on the roster. I mean, the only guys that still are down that you consider a top prospect is Andrew Vaughn. And then, you know, Michael Kopech, who opted out of the season, but he hasn't pitched since September of 2018. Those are two big names right now where they're going to offer. It looks like Dane Dunning, who's made a couple starts, he's going to stay in the rotation. Which I mean, in that's that's a big move. That's he's I think he pitched five no hit innings against the Royals on Sunday, so he's shown to like that. That arm looks pretty damn good, nasty stuff, but no big moves. And I mean, if you look at uh, some of the trades, the Sox could have gotten something without you know Rick Hahn didn't have to ruin the next decade of White Sox baseball by making the team better this year. Uh, but it just seems like they're, I mean, they're obviously rolling with what they got, hoping that, you know, Aaron Bummer, he's been out for a while. He has some nerve, nerve issue by the bicep, which doesn't sound good, but they're still optimistic that he's going to come back. I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, but Kevin thoughts on them just, you know, saying we're good. (laughs) Bro, this was like the Y2K trade led on for White Sox fans. They, rumors, Everyone was panicking. Oh, they're gonna get. It. We're gonna get Clevenger. We're gonna get. We're gonna get Lance Lynn. We're gonna get Autumn. Have it, and we're gonna go in. The sources say, and then I, I, I have the indigestion and that tells me that we're oh my god. And everyone got freaked out. Everyone got excited. They're like, oh my god, who are we gonna lose? Which one of these prize prospects? Oh my god, are we gonna are we gonna lose Vaughn? You know, or, or not Vaughn? Uh, 
yeah, Vaughn, uh, we're, we're not going to, what are we going to do? Don't, let's not do this. No, wait, I don't want to give up. And they're arguing about who they're going to give up. And then trade de- deadline comes and ah, power's still on. The clock still <laughs> struck midnight. The White Sox are still the hottest team in baseball. No moves. Everything's fine. Like it, it's a good thing. Um, the front office didn't feel like they had to make a knee jerk reaction just because they're in this thing. They weren't supposed to be in this thing this year anyway. They're already playing on house money. That's not true. It is that's not true. They, no, it's not. They had expectations to be a playoff team. They had expectations, especially to be a especially with the expanded playoff. Well, yeah, but I'm talking. I mean, in general, going into the season, this isn't this isn't with the expanded playoffs. Yes, but to be a contender, I mean, this team has done everything that needs to be done, and you got some of these guys, some of those back end arms aren't even playing their best baseball yet. I mean you've got some magic stuff going on. I mean, really? Yes. You, of course, you know, getting a landslide would be fan freaking tastic, but is it worth giving up something that can help you not just now, but, and they can't help really much now, but in the next two to three years, this window is just opening for the white Sox and throwing out somebody um, that again, because they've got some really good options coming up. Um, you don't want to throw that out yet. You want to give that a chance to just kind of, implement itself up and have some real good team control guys uh, that are cheap. I know it sounds bad, but cheap and Lance Lynn ain't cheap. He ain't going to come cheap and he's been throwing really well, but it looks like the, the, across the board, nobody was, they were asking for too much. So you're not going to give up too much. And you know, him not going anywhere means that they must've been asking for the house and he ain't giving up the house. You don't, that's not worth it. Sorry. I just, you know, whatever they were asking for, for Clevenger, I'm pretty sure the Indians probably said F you, I'm not trading within the division. So the white Sox were already pretty much out. They, they would have made that trade if they got like Luis Robert and Eloy. Or Eloy. <laughs> yes, they made yeah. That yeah. They're probably taking that. But <laughs> I would never, I, I that's, mean, that's it, what they were specifically asking for power hitting outfielders. So I imagine that that had to be like the greatest call ever. Like you want Clevenger. All right. We'll take Eloy or we'll take uh, Luis Robert. Who, who do you want to give us, Han? I could picture Han on that phone call, too, just going, oh, that's what you'd like? All right. Here's, well, go fuck yourself. No, even like, here's, here's, right here's Nomar Mazzara, who's still under team control for next year, too. I'm going to send you a box of Dookie now for even asking for Luis Robert. Uh, <laughs> That's what he's going to get. He's going to be a box of dung because, yeah, no, there's no chance. And so that makes it that's, – that's good then. You know, Han did his job. He played the game. Sometimes you fold your hands. Sometimes you don't. And he didn't have to go all in because the, the deal wasn't right. He didn't make a deal just to make a deal. You got to – you can't criticize that. And I know White Sox fans wanted some action. You know, sometimes you don't have to play every single hand when you're playing poker to win the – you know, to, to end up with the most stack at the, the highest stack at the table. Sometimes you sit back and let everybody cut themselves out and ruin their farm system. And then you just play with the hand when you get the hand and you play it, it, it the hand didn't come. So you just sit back and it, when it's time, it's time. I like what the white Sox are doing. I don't think you can really complain with a team that now is in first place. That is just absolutely tearing things up. And you want to look at the, you know, they got, they do have the tigers and the, and the Royals a ton. Good. They're going to be able to beat up on things. Now today with the twins, if they don't win the first game, I have, I, I just feel like all of a sudden the white Sox fans are gonna be like, look, they should have made a move. It's like, no, it's the twins. You're going to go in there and you're going to dogfight. It's one of the best teams in your division. You've you got to fight. Um, so I, I think that it was fun. It's, I just, it's like Y2K, though, because everybody was in full boat panic mode. And there's so many different like things thrown around. And and everyone's like arguing with each other about who is expendable and like getting all intense with each other. And as it turns out, everybody is still in the family. Nobody got kicked out of the house. It's still the same you know, reality show. It's this White Sox team that is a family that goes out there and is going to play well. So. 
hey, no new no newcomers in the locker room. Nobody's going to mess up that chemistry. Ride this ship until it knocks you over, it capsizes, and then we'll go back again and think about it in the offseason. I mean, we talked about it with, uh, with Zoe last week. It's going to come to a point where yeah, uh, Sox fans are going to have to let go of some of these prospects, and that will be a, I mean, a wild day on Twitter because they're going. The White Sox are a good team. They're going to be good for a while, but they are eventually going to have to make those big moves, and you only make those big moves by giving up some trade capital. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's gonna, that day is going to come because not every single guy is going to work out. So far it is. It looks like they look fucking great so far, but we'll see. Uh, they, I guess they did do one minor move on uh, Monday. They brought up Yolmer Sanchez, who they recently re-signed to a – or they brought back on a minor league deal. So he's on the bench. Ryan Goins, who's like – hasn't played at all. I think he has like 10 at-bats this mm-hmm. season. He's DFA'd. Uh, Danny Mendick starting for Yuan Mankata. I brought this up with Zoe uh, in our chat uh, before coming on to record today, but – the Yoan Mankata leg issue that just has been going on since like the Brewer series. And that was what, like three weeks ago? Because mm-hmm. that was uh, that was when it was first noticed. It's like, hey, he just doesn't look right on the field. Like he might be swinging it well, but, and I mean, since then he hasn't been swinging it well either. And this immediately just reminded me of what, uh, what happened with the Cubs and Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, number one, this past week, the Sox faced, Sox faced Pittsburgh, who's bad. The Royals, who they've owned, perfect chance to be like, hey, Yoan, we can obviously see that you're hurting here. You're, he's been struggling at the plate. That This isn't a thing. It's like, oh, well, I mean, he's still producing. He hasn't. And he's been dropped in the lineup, too, I think. Like, so this is, a, I, well, for a couple games. It's like, man. Th- and I think the, the news on Monday is like they're hoping that he's back the next couple days. So he might miss the Twins series. Like, I don't, this just seems like a case. Like, I don't know why they're not using the 10 day injured list. Um, I mean, again, like these teams with the expanded playoffs, you're a lock. You're, it's a guarantee to, that you're making the playoffs at this point. There's not really much of a difference between becoming the first place team in your division, the second place team, the seventh place team, or the eighth place team. Cause no matter what, that first round, you're playing three games and you're not going to be in Chicago. So home field doesn't matter because they're playing in the bubble. So that does like just get in. So it's not like you have to worry like, oh, we're gonna be out without Mancada for like a week and a half. Like it's fine. You're good. You're in a great spot. Let him just completely rest. Uh, sometimes you uh, you want to play that a little too hard. Yeah, that's probably. I mean, they shouldn't have pushed Chris, and they shouldn't have. Put, I don't think they should be pushing Mancada now. Now you're in actual games. <laughs> so now yeah. he's gonna have to basically gut through stuff if he's gonna do it, and he's not gonna be 100. percent And it could do something damage to his psyche too. So yeah, that's when you've got winnable games and it, you see that window for a ten day thing, especially because it's such a short, short, short stint. Um, yeah, I think that might have been a boo boo on their part. Just to, I mean, maybe that could have been him just trying to play tough too. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And we've talked about it here before in the past too. Like you, you know, with Chris too, is sometimes if you aren't if you are at like eighty percent, good to go. And your eighty percent is better than any other option down the lineup at hundred percent. Then yes, you got to you kind of play through it. But if you're at seventy five percent and someone else's hundred percent is just better than your seventy five percent, it's time to step back and let you know step aside and let somebody else take it. And that's hard for an athlete and a competitor to even admit. Definitely. 
And so that's up on management. That's the, that's, that's, that's their, you know, that's on Ricky's job. That's, that's on Han's job. That's, you know, with Cubs, it was on, you know, it was on Rossi and it was on Hoyer and, and Theo to make that decision. And I think they want to trust their guys because they're vets, but I'll be honest as a coach, never trust a guy. It's, <laughs> it's about toughness. They're going to lie to you all freaking day. And you want them to lie to you. You want them to lie to you, but you also want to protect them from themselves. You want those guys because the guy that's going to lie to you because they get on the field because they want to freaking play and help the team. You want those guys. It's your job as management to be the evil substitute teacher writing up detention slips and, you know, kids start, you know, be old man, you know, your lawn because you want, you have to have somebody that has to play bad cop and bad cop is front upper management because you can't mess with the psyche of the guys in the field. Management can go to sleep at night and they're fine. They don't have to go hit the baseball. So I think that that, 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 that's good. But I think that the, the adults in the equation, quote unquote, now they're all adults, but you know what I mean? Like the, the, the ones that are, they're the ones who make the decisions at the end of the day. Yep. And so they had, they, they could have, and they didn't, and they didn't step up. So now I hope that doesn't come back to haunt the white Sox later on in the season. If this thing nags, but they'll have another stretch with the pirates. Maybe they'll have like a stretch with the pirates and the tigers and like uh, <laughs> the Royals and they can kind of, uh, maybe find that window. Maybe they did look at the schedule further down the line and say, Hey, this is the good window. <laughs> if we need to do it, I'm not even sure. Let's see what, Look at their schedule. Hold on. I was just going to bring up. I mean, the one concerning thing about uh, the reason I'm like even making a deal of it is because Makata has had leg injuries in the past where he has gone to the injured list. Like this mm-hmm. isn't like a first time thing or anything, and it's just painfully obvious that he's out there, not even close to 100. I don't think he's at 80 percent right now. Well, speak of the devil. As I said it, I pull up the schedule. Just had like 10 games against the the, the White Sox. Royals. Play four against the Royals starting Thursday. Two against the pirates next Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they have a three game series immediately following that against the tigers. <laughs> <laughs> hey there's man, a, the, ti- the tigers are a- on fire and they just got Zach short. So. Oh yeah. And that's a question actually that Josh, uh, Josh Winnick, if I said your name right, Winnick, sorry, if I say it wrong, you actually asked the question, you know, and that's a Cubs related question, but is, yeah, is it, is it only worth half a season of Cameron Maven to trade Zach short, who is a highly ranked prospect? What happened? Well, early in the season, he didn't even make the 60 man roster. Um, he was on, even though he was on the 40 man. And so it didn't look like the Cubs really had plans for him in the, in the future. So I guess they thought this was a good expo, you know, maybe they liked the kid and they're like, Hey, there's just no upward movement for you, bro. Um, we like you a lot. You're a good dude. Let's go give you an opportunity to have a pro career. Cause it, it's just not, there's, it's just a log jam here. And I, Theo is good like that, man. Theo does stuff like that for guys all the time. Like where he's like, this just isn't a, you know, I understand. I like you. You're a good person. And Theo, I think is, a, is genuinely a good person. And he sees that. So maybe they thought Zach, you know, they liked Zach so much that they, they figured they'd give him his career an opportunity to like, to actually have a chance. Cause if he gets stuck behind these guys for a long period of time, sooner or later, if you don't use it, you lose it, go use it, go somewhere where you can use it. And the tigers are a great place to go use it. And not to mention that they got a great history of middle infielders with Trammell and, and, and Whitaker and all those good, you know, that's, that'd be fun. I saw, I guess maybe it's because he was in a log jam and that Ed Howard pick was such a value pick that, you know, and I think, aren't they on the verge or did they already sign the, 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 the kid from, was it Cuban? Was he Cuban? Christian. Uh, they're going to, it's like everything's just like on hold because of the whole pandemic stuff. But yeah, they're going to sign the, I think he's like the number one uh, young international free agent. Yeah. I think it's uh, Christian Hernandez from. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and I think I mentioned earlier, like you're right. It's, it's the, it's just, you look at the organ, organizational depth chart. You look at the plans two, three years in the future, you know, Zach short. Yeah. At one time he was like, uh, 
one of the, well, not, he was, he was never like one of the high, like top five Cubs prospects, but you know, he was the guy that you've heard. He's definitely a guy that you're like, all right, well maybe down the line, you know, he can be a bench piece or something. Like a Ryan I mean, Terrio. Like he could have been a Ryan Terrio yeah. kind of guy. I mean, he, it was basically, it, it could have been like another, like a David Bodie situation where like, you know, the best case scenario is like, Hey, maybe he can be like a solid utility guy in the future. That fan's I mean, turned into a legend because he gets three big <laughs> over three uh, years. <laughs> you know, you already have Bodie, and again, uh, I mean, you have Horner. You have they just like you said they drafted Howard in like a couple of years or two. He's probably like ahead of Zach Short. Zach Short is already twenty five, and again, this isn't the worst thing for Zach Short. He gets a, he has a much better path to the big leagues now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fair. Well, they did him. They did him right. They did him right. That's uh, that's. It ain't just about like winning sometimes. And I think that really goes to show like with players that might sign with Chicago in the future. Look at what Theo does when he treats these, he treats these guys, right? If there's not an opportunity, he's going to let them go. What, what's his name? The guy that went down to Texas, right? Spring training. What was the guy that they sent? They, they allowed, he's actually been playing pretty well, right? They let him what go get another opportunity somewhere else. His name. Uh, I mean, they've made so many trades. They've made <laughs> not even joking, like tens of trades with the, the Rangers. I can't remember his name. But I was going to think, uh, in terms of, like, the value of, like, is it worth it for half season with Kevin Maven? I mean, you have to look at the long term. Again, like, there was just – there's, like, no path for Zach Short being on the Cubs. The Cubs are in a position where, you know, they're just trying to improve anything they can for this year because they're trying to compete for a World Series this year. Obviously, Cameron Maven isn't going to be the difference maker between the Cubs winning and not winning a World Series, but he puts them in a better position throughout their season – it, it makes the roster a little better. I always been like, there's some talk about it. Like, people are just pissed off because Cameron Maven just like, I mean, he's been, he's 33. He was, uh, he's been in baseball for a long time. Cause I think he was a high school draft pick. So I think he was drafted like in 2005. I want to say he's, he's got, I mean, the dude's got almost 4,000 at bats under his. Yeah. His, his so like, belt. I mean, he's, he's been like a, I just, he's not, he's basically like an older version of Almora basically. Came up, with came like, up in 07. I mean, yeah, he's been around, around for a while. years. But, uh, but again, I mean, you're getting a, he's just a, he, I don't care what anyone says. He's a, he's an upgrade over Albert Elmore Jr. I was like, I know the numbers aren't like the sexiest or whatever, but he's, I, he's give me him over Elmore right now. Little Yumper getting real deep with this one. Big question is Theo's, is this Theo's second to last trade deadline with the Cubs? He hasn't got an extension yet. So, Ricketts will be like, yes, uh, it's too expensive, Theo. Sorry. We're going to go with this guy. Who's this guy? I don't know. I found him on a park bench, met him at a Trump rally. Um, <laughs> here's your new, here, here's, here's your new GM. Who is it? Oh, uh, the new president of Cubs operation is Robert. Uh, is Paul Manafort. Wait, what? How's this? Um, Sorry. Uh, I, so, I, I Evan, any, any last thoughts as, I guess, also oh, the Cubs are going to start a series in uh, Pittsburgh. Sox, obviously, big series with the Twins. Both first place teams. Looks like tied for first. You know they're right there. Thoughts? Any thoughts for this week? Win series. Win the series. Win series is now at this point. You know the Cubs need to win a series. Um, the Cardinals are not playing great baseball, but Cardinals and the Reds. You know the Reds just creeped within a little bit of the Cubs, right? Well, guess what? They are going head to head with the Cardinals now. Um, in fact, uh, they're right now. I think it's two to one on the top of the third. So they're going right there. So I mean, love it. These teams in the division are going to start banging heads. Um, you know, the more the Cardinals, you know, and the Reds. So today, I mean, obviously you'd like the Reds to win that ball game just because the Cardinals can creep back a little bit. That'll put them at four games back. But, um, if the Cardinals win that game, there'll be a three game, you know, be up to three games, but the Cubs have one less or one more loss and eight more wins. I mean, 
that's a lot of, I know it sounds, you know, when you look at the standings, you're like, oh my God, it's three and a half games. That's a lot of wins to ask a team to win in a short amount of time. Um, you know, they're, you're asking the Cardinals to go out there and, and basically sweep double headers um, to get back to that, to chase that many wins. If the Cubs, that's, if that's the Cubs are winning every other game. So um, I think that the Reds are a little bit more of a threat. I don't know about the Brewers. It looks like they're selling a little bit today. Like at least some of the rumors, at least who they were I kind thought of fishing two- I thought too. At the end of the day, I think they only traded like one guy. Yeah. So, so they, they still were fishing. The big name was Hater. Because like he's like, well, are they going to trade Hater? They hung on to him. So it was and kind of a. Uh, was kind of a. Eh. And why would you tap out your? They're a game and a half out of the wild card. I mean, it's, the yeah. Reds are two games back out of the wild card. They're still playing meaningful baseball. Hell, the Pirates are five and a half games out of a wild card. That's a good two weeks. I mean, they're not a good team, but it's a good two weeks. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion, but you look at some of these things again, that the top two teams in the division make the postseason. So, I mean, the Cubs are really playing. I mean, they, you want that one or two, so you can have like a favorable first round matchup in the weird playoffs scenario, you know, circumstances, but that's the um, thing, Kevin, because you just, you just brought up how the reds are like right there for the wild card. I don't want to face the reds in the first round. Hell no. You like I don't want to face Sonny Gray Bauer and Luis Castillo, even, even Luis Castillo. Cause I looked at his numbers and uh, he's been pretty hittable this year. Like he's, Still has the great stuff, but you can get – he's shown that you can get to him this year. But I still don't want to face Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer in a, in a three-game series. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no. That's a that's – a, that's I talk all this shit against the Reds, but I still don't want to – I don't want to face that pitching in, the, no, in, a, in a three-game series especially. You have those two guys pitching, and you have Tom Bredman back in the booth for the playoff. Never mind. Well, no. They do. Okay, so that's – I. I'm glad you brought him up. Tom Burnham <laughs> is out, but don't worry, Cubs fans. The Cincinnati Reds broadcast still hates you as much as ever. Danny Graves. I might I might put the audio in here right at the end. Oh, they got Danny Graves? Danny Graves is like, no, I guess he's like a studio analyst. But he was like, because you know, so you know how they, they had like the benches clearing on Saturday, you know, uh, their, one of their rookies, Antone, goes up at, over Rizzo's head. Uh, Azulay, when he was in there, he had a pitch up uh, it wasn't even inside. It was just up to Shogo Akiyama. You know, emotions got high. Uh, Bell, Vado. I mean, that was basically, yeah, I was I was throwing at Rizzo to, like, show them. But that's besides <laughs> the point. But after the after the game, because it was on Saturday night, I think it was, it was Danny Graves is on the studio show for them. He's like, you know, yeah, the Cubs uh, like to do a lot of crying. And <laughs> that's just pure jealousy that is pure uh like what is it that's just you know like well, you, what, what we say about some Sox fans in comparison to the cubs in chicago is what it feels like with the reds in the nl central because yeah like they're they're rivals and whatever but like you you look at the reds and it's like all right whatever like we'll go there we'll kick your ass you know we'll fill up your stadium like 40 percent is going to be wearing blue so there's a lot of little brother syndrome with the Reds uh, towards the Cubs, and yeah, and they're still go- salty that somebody changed their Wikipedia and they said that president of president and CEO of Reds operation was Chris Bryant in his first couple of years. <laughs> years. Like, they're probably saying Lil Yumper says that that Danny Graves is still salty about blowing that save against Sosa and Alou. There you <laughs> go. Is, that dude is Ohio. Back. That dude's only played for Cleveland and the Reds and a little bit for a second. I think 20 games with the Mets, which also can suck it as a Cub fan. So literally he's been nothing but Ohio his entire career. Um, uh, you'd expect him to hate the Cubs for Pete's sake. I mean, because basically we've been eating your lunch for 30 years. That would suck, right? Sorry about that World Series. <laughs> Not to mention. Oh, well, you know, I was going to say, is Danny Graves like from Ohio? He was born in Vietnam. Did not see that coming. Whoa. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> Did not see that. Let's see. He moved to when he was 14 months old. He grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. Went to Brandon what Brandon High School, I think. And he went to you know, Miami. Yes. Miami too. Miami guy. All right. Back when Miami was like baseball machine. Uh, but yeah, you know, if Cubs fans, don't worry. Tom Burnham is out, but we we get, we still get to hate like Reds uh, broadcasters. Danny so Graves. now we get to take it out on Danny Graves, yep. new public enemy. And then, oh, yes. by the way, that that was great because I was I'm not gonna lie, I I was nervous about this series because they mm-hmm. did have to face Bauer and then Castillo on Sunday, and fucking baseball. Baseball is gonna baseball. Cubs win those two games and they lose the Kyle Hendricks start and then they lose the who and then the the they lose the start of facing the rookie. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I, we talked about it on the show last on Thursday night. We, a split in a four games and three game series on the road is a win. You don't win a series, but they could have obviously a Kimbrel inning aside, they could have taken three of four in a series where a split was good. So I mean, you're looking at the Cubs are just right there again, and again that adds to the one run losses. I think that's like one run loss number six or seven. On the season, the Cubs yeah, are there. I mean, they're almost cracking. You know, they're they're a base knock here or there away from being a team that has six more wins. Let alone, you know, I mean, I hate losing one run games. I, I, you know, when when you look at that kind of stuff, you look over the scene, you look at you actually start over analyzing, going, God dang it, the third inning, we had an opportunity to put a run in, we lost by one, we could have at least blah blah blah, and you start really start over analyzing the little things, which they always play a big role. Little things are always big things, and. Over time, especially, and so it, that, that that that's a great. I thought they did fantastic. I mean, you beat Bauer, Anthony Rizzo beat Trevor Bauer. Let's let's talk about that at bat for a second, where he fouled off every piece of junk that he threw at him, and then off his front foot just drops out there with one t- one one little drop drops his hands and just doom. The second one was more of a bomb, but that first home run was like a, a fantastic battle that you like to see between a very good pitcher, a very veteran hitter, and Anthony. I mean, that right there might have been that moment where his everything started to really. F- click for him because that was just that was a fantastic professional at bat right there i i think i rewatched it a few times just because i'm like oh my god look at this wait wait watch and my girlfriend's like what i'm like he's on his front foot that's he's literally transferred everything forward he's literally using just that hand just drop drop the barrel gone i'm like yes so those are fun things but that was a good series i I thought if they'd have lost on sunday it would have been a problem but they didn't not only not lose on sunday they made it a laugher so that's also a good thing going into an off day Getting, you know, you beat someone up 10 runs, scored 10 runs for the first time all season. Okay. That's a, that's weird that they've only scored 10 runs once. It took them six home runs, <laughs> <laughs> a grand slam. And yeah. So hopefully that's like, again, with that storybook stuff, man, you, 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 you click things a little bit towards the end. You win two of three um, on your way out of town and you come back, you get a day off, you rest, relax, you rebuild, you get your MVP back. You get a couple of new roster additions back and you all of a sudden, you know, is this Martinez pick going to be the Eric Karos and what was it? Mark Gretzel? Who do they get? Was it Eric Karos and Gretzelonic back Mark in the Dodgers, I think. Yeah. Yep. For Chad Hermanson. That's right. My buddy Chad. Sorry. Uh, I forgot about it. And Todd, Todd Hundley. Um, I now remember that because Chad was the Vegas kid that I knew. Uh, yeah, still do That's know. the type of knowledge that you're going to le- need soon for a certain show. Um, it's true. Mm. So, keep, so that, yeah. keep that in mind. Uh, just one last thing. Quick look ahead of the schedule. So they have three in Pittsburgh. And then, holy shit, I completely forgot. Speaking of doubleheaders, in four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Cubs play five uh, against St. Louis again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it's not five in three, ga- in three days. It's only five in four days. So, but yeah, they have a doubleheader on Saturday against St. Louis. 
So you go Pirates, and then yeah, hey, I love these Saturday doubleheaders though. It make this is my Saturday actually. Uh, I have to. I'm actually heading out of town on Friday, so um, we're gonna be a new yeah. tradition. Kevin, Kevin, one last question. Mm-hmm. Going forward, what if they're like, you know what, guys, to cut down on any like more travel or whatever it is, get you guys more a couple more off days. We're gonna do uh, seven inning doubleheaders once every once a month on a Saturday or twice a it. month. Are you talking about next year? Yeah, next year. Like just going forward, what if they're like, you know what? Two two Saturdays every month, we're doing doubleheaders. Seven inning doubleheaders. I'm into it. They give more days off during the regular season for those guys to kind of like regroup too. In 162 games, those extra like – because, again, once you heat it up, it's heated up. You're going to be sore tomorrow no matter what you do. So if you're going to heat it up, you play two, two sevens, you go out, and then if that means an extra Tuesday off you know, in August when it's hot and it's the dog days of summer, I think that's a good thing for them to look at. So – I look at the schedule, man. I'm, I, it's it's it makes me pumped for another reason. I'm looking at the schedule. We are now officially the next game that the Cubs play. We don't have to look at August at all anymore. We are looking only at September. Which, although for you and me, that means we are in now the month, the calendar month, where we can finally freaking change our our, our profile pic and our pin tweet. We've got Not yet. We have to wait. We got 28 days, oh, and we can finally days. change that. So no, I, I got, we get that. Oh, we have to decide that. We have to decide if it's going to be if we get to take it off before the series or if the se- when the series ends against the Sox. I think we'll, we'll take that up with you. I think we should take it. I think we should be able to show some love for our for our team during. That. I think that that's that should be the uh, the point. I think we'll see. If Joe, if Joe has to approve. We'll have to ask. Joe. We'll I, think, I think we'll agree before the series, and then we we reset. We do a new bet, and then you know we'll see what happens at that weekend series. Hopefully it matters for both. You know what? Hopefully it doesn't matter for both teams. Hopefully like they're just both in the playoffs and then we get to have, then it's just like, you know, it's a relaxing, a relaxing, uh, serious end season. Right. Well, Hey, and for Sox fans out there, I promise I'm going to San Diego. Well, I'll talk again on Thursday, but I'm going to go to San Diego this weekend for, for help. We're helping some friends move in uh, back from Boston and I'm going to go by Petco. I'm going to go check out the place where the white Sox should end up winning the AO pennant perhaps. Um, cause isn't that where they're, are they talking about maybe going to San Diego now? Did they decide? I feel like San Diego. Well, now it's the LA up. area, but they're going to use the three stadiums, uh, the two LA stadiums and then San Diego. I don't know where they're going to do the championship series. I feel like they said San Diego and I felt like Texas was the world series, right? Oh, that's right. Well, no, but I still think they're using the three, like they're going to use the, uh, Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, and then Petco, and then yes, you're right. Or am I completely wrong? I don't remember. I remember. I do remember what you're talking about, but I chaos. briefly chaos remember looking at it. I, uh, but Kevin, you, you have to find them uh, something so they can stay up because those are going to be some late night games. <laughs> yeah, right. That's going to be. It should be. Let's see here. Do they? Yeah, I guess they haven't really nothing. Okay. Uh, I guess they haven't agreed anything like 100. percent yeah. yeah, they're still, they're still, I guess, trying to figure it out. But San Diego would be great. I can tell you, and that's why I wanted to look at it too. I, you know, I, I feel like memory serves right. I mean, I've been to a bunch of games. Uh, I actually saw Barry Bonds tie Hank Aaron live at Petco back, back, whatever that was, like 2000, was it five or six? I think five, mm-hmm. six, seven, something like that. We were working at a camp for Gabe Kapler actually uh, at San Diego State. And then we went to that game and we saw they hit a home run his first at bat and they walked him four times after that. So and then he broke it the <laughs> next game when they got back up because they were going back up to San Francisco at the end. At, but, that was a that's a good park, and I feel like it's got a good location for a bubble if they were to create a bubble. Uh, I think I, I would choose San Diego over Chavez Ravine any day. I know Chavez Ravine has a lot of seats, but we're not putting fans in there, so who cares? Petco is just a prettier place. It's better weather. It's nicer. There's not as much smog, and of course, it's San Diego, man. 
those guys. Well, I mean, I think they said they use LA because you're going to have what four series going on. No, I mean for the ALCS game. Oh, for the ALCS. Yes, I yep. yes. San Diego is very very nice. I haven't been there, but like just seeing it on TV it looks like a beautiful ballpark, one of the newest ballparks in the league. But yeah, nice hotels, isolated area. It's not like Chavez Arena. I'm sorry, I just not the greatest hotels in that area. Um, you know, you're not gonna. You don't think you're gonna put your boys on Sunset Boulevard because uh, they're gonna get COVID <laughs> and something else too, probably. See. On, on that note, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see all you guys back here. We'll be recording again uh, Thursday. So by then, I mean we're gonna have a. We'll see how Chris looks. Hopefully he's back. Sounds like he is. Uh, we'll see what the Sox do in Minnesota. Hopefully the Cubs beat up on the Pirates. Uh, you can follow Kevin at KFids on Twitter. Uh, follow Matt Zawaski, not here, but shout out Zoe. Follow Zoe at Southside Zoe. And follow me at AldoSoto21 on Twitter. Also, follow the show at Pinwheels and Ivy Pod on Twitter, on Facebook as well. And subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Until next time. See you. Have a good Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantees or the whole league that we here now. New show with a new move. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.